This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, November 16th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer with Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Jamie is at the LA Auto Show and we'll catch up with him from the floor in a minute. But first, we're calling it GM workers ratify the UAW's contract with the automaker. Workers at Mack Trucks also ratify their contract. And the NTSB wants anti-speeding technology in new cars. Plus, we'll dive deeper into GM workers' historic ratification vote with our own Lindsey Van Hulley. There's some, I think, dissatisfaction among some of those more veteran workers that, you know, those increases are not as high as they are for, you know, people who are newer to the company. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Well, it was looking pretty close even within the last 24 hours, but enough hourly workers at General Motors have voted to ratify the UAW's tentative contract agreement with the automaker. Overwhelming support from workers at parts depots and a joint venture battery plant who will get the largest raises made up for no votes from 53% of employees at assembly, metal, and propulsion plants. The agreement passed by a margin of 55% to 45%, winning by nearly 3,300 votes out of more than 35,000 cast. That's according to a count posted by the UAW. The union declined to immediately comment this morning. GM declined to comment until the union declares that the deal has been approved. The deal receives support from about 82% of workers at parts plants and distribution centers, as well as 96% at the Ultium Cells battery plant in Ohio. The UAW says about 3,900 members representing Volvo Group-owned Mack Trucks ratified a new five-year contract in the U.S. That ends a 39-day-long strike following the rejection of an earlier deal. The UAW and Mack Trucks had reached a tentative deal in October that included a 19% pay raise, but union workers overwhelmingly rejected it and went on strike. The deal had also included a $3,500 ratification bonus, improved retirement benefits, and less time needed to get to top pay. But some MAC workers complained the raise was too small to keep up with inflation. The UAW and MAC trucks did not reveal details of the new contract and did not reply to requests for comment. Battery recycler Redwood Materials says it has a deal to supply critical components to Toyota. That comes as the automaker starts to ramp up both hybrid and electric vehicle production. Toyota will purchase Redwood's cathode active material and anode copper foil from recycled content. That material makes up the electrodes on an EV battery. The Japanese automaker will use the material in batteries produced by Toyota Battery Manufacturing in North Carolina. That plant will start production in 2025 and is Toyota's first automotive battery plant globally. 
It'll make lithium-ion batteries for hybrid and battery electric vehicles. Toyota said it is spending $14 billion on the facility. Redwood says it believes this is the first contract where an automaker provides batteries from its end-of-life hybrid vehicles to supply some of the metals for new EV batteries. And the National Transportation Safety Board is calling on automakers to install anti-speeding technology in all new cars and trucks. That follows a multi-vehicle crash last year in suburban Las Vegas that led to nine deaths. The NTSB determined that the deadly crash was caused by excessive speeding, drug-impaired driving, and Nevada's failure to hold the driver accountable despite numerous speeding citations. As a result of the investigation, the NTSB issued a recommendation to 17 automakers to install intelligent speed assistance technology in all new vehicles that, at a minimum, warns a driver when the vehicle is speeding. The automakers include BMW, Ford, General Motors, Honda, Toyota, and Volkswagen. And those are today's headlines. We're going to talk more about GM workers' ratification of their UAW contract with the automaker in a minute. But first, our own Jamie Butters is at the LA Auto Show. He joins us now to talk about what he sees there. Jamie, how is it going? Hey, Kel. It's a, it's a really interesting show. On the one hand, you know, it's a little sad. Like Almost all the luxury brands are gone. This is a huge luxury market. And yet the only luxury brands on the floor are Lexus, Genesis, and Lucid. You know, Porsche always had a big display. Uh, kind of off to their own. That's now where the, the Kevin Hart collection is being shown. No Mercedes, no BMW, no Jag Land Rover, no Audi. It's really strange for it to be so devoid of luxury. And of course, a lot of other brands that are missing as you know, Stellantis pulled out at the last minute. And so in that sense, it feels pretty lonely, pretty empty in some of the layout. That said, they've really done a nice job with the way that the show's been staged. I think maybe they're tapping into that Hollywood vibe. You know, Ford, if you think about it in Detroit, you know, Ford had those big curtains that kind of made it so you didn't, it didn't feel like such an empty hall. Ford has this massive space. They have more than 100,000 square feet. Uh, they've got, you know, giant curtains across the back to make it not feel so empty. They've got their you know truck with the, the mountain, the metal mountain that people can go over. Of course, they don't have to compete with Stellantis, so they've got the only mountain now. You know, really big displays, cars very spread out. So, you know, it, it doesn't look as empty as it feels in some way. And also, you know, there's actually a pretty good number of cars here. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, Toyota is, doesn't have a press conference, but they have their new Camry on the floor. Subaru is kind of back in the corner, probably from when the layout had more brands involved. But they have, of course, their beautiful display and they've got the new Forester. So there's a lot to see, a lot of excitement around the Lucid Gravity. And of course, Hyundai, Kia, Genesis all have stuff to show. So with less automakers there, the automakers that are there have more space to play is what you're saying. More space to play and more attention. Gotcha. Coming up. More about today's historic news that workers have ratified the UAW's contract with GM. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril. 
but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy. No more excuses. No more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lean, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. One down, two to go. With General Motors workers ratifying their new contract, the UAW has cleared perhaps its biggest hurdle in getting deals finalized with the Detroit Three. Lindsey Van Holy covers GM for us at Automotive News and has been covering the ratification votes as they come in. I reached her today after the voting results had all come in at her home office near Lansing, Michigan. Lindsay Van Holy, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Big news that we're just sort of uh, wrapping our minds around now uh, that, you know, the, we can say at this point that GM workers uh, have ratified this contract with the, between the UAW and General Motors. Uh, tell us just sort of what we know at this point and what the big news is. Yeah, you know, ratification has been kind of going on for a couple of weeks. And the last few days, we've begun to see a lot more results come in from, you know, different types of plants, assembly, parts, facilities. And, you know, really today we got the last of the voting results in. And and you're right, the agreement has been ratified, at least from the results that are posted online right now. The margin overall was about 55% to 45%. And that includes both production workers and skilled trades workers at, you know, it's assembly plants, parts distribution centers, components, facilities, battery operations, really across the GM operation. Yeah, things were looking uh, a little bit dicey for a minute there, <laughs> even within the last, you know, day or so. You know, we we on Daily Drive talked about how, you know, seven out of 11 assembly plants had turned it down as of yesterday. You know, talk a little bit about that and the fact that there was a little bit more resistance or 
concern coming from assembly workers, it seems like, in this entire process. Yeah, I mean, it has been a very close vote, and it it became kind of evident yesterday morning that, you know, it, it looked like, you know, it was going to be close, it was going to be difficult to you know, say with any certainty whether, you know, passage was was going to happen. And that was because we we saw a number of results come in from, you know, some of the big assembly plants that had voted it down. And you know, kind of throughout yesterday, waiting for more results to come in, that was kind of the the thought at that point. And then we we got a couple of results in from the Arlington assembly plant in Texas where 61% of workers supported the deal. And a little bit later, results came in from the Ultium Cells joint venture battery plant in Ohio, where workers supported it, you know, over 90%. So seeing those results come in and noticing how that was pushing the vote margin a little bit above that that majority that was needed began to become a little bit uh, more possible that we would see the, the vote ultimately ratified, but throughout the process, it has still been very close. So is it fair to say that there is sort of a, a bit of a split between workers who have been, especially at assembly plants longer, who maybe get a little bit less out of this deal than those who maybe are newer or work at the parts warehouses, ones that get more out of this deal? Uh, is that one of the threads that sort of led us to uh, what we're seeing in these vote totals? I think so. And that's partly a factor of how the tentative contract agreement was structured, because there are a lot of gains for workers at parts facilities and components facilities that have been on a lower wage scale that under this agreement would be moved up to the main you know, manufacturing production wage scale. So that would mean you know, bigger increases for them to get to that place. You know, for workers at you know, assembly plants or those who have been with GM for a long time, you know, some of them maybe are are already at that top rate. Some might be nearing retirement, and I think there's, you know, a group of workers, many workers who were looking for more increases to retirement benefits. So the way that it's structured, there are certainly gains for workers uh, who are newer to GM, who came in after, uh, you know, pensions were no longer offered, and wanting to be able to match the same kind of wage scale as, you know, people who've been with GM longer. And on the other side, there are those who, who just think that perhaps there could be more for them in it than than ultimately there was. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me seeing the amount of resistance to this contract considering the fact that I mean it really uh was I mean as as Sean Fain with the UAW has said time and time again these are historic gains for the UAW that they won more than most onlookers if not all onlookers thought that they would in this contract agreement I I just wonder what workers thought they could get out of GM and maybe other automakers uh, for for workers outside of just GM uh who are voting no on these contracts you know what what did they feel like they can actually you know, squeeze out of a contract if it weren't ratified. I mean, it, I guess it just, um, it seems like they got just about all they could practically expect to get. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of that, I think that we'll learn more just as, you know, we talk to more people now that the vote is is completed. But I think it's that piece about, you know, for some of those pe- workers who've been with GM for a number of years, you know, just that, concern about about being closer to retirement and and wanting some of those benefits back. I was talking with a union leader 
in Toledo where GM has a propulsion plant uh, the other day. And he said, you know, this contract goes a long way in fixing some of the economic issues that we were looking for. But, you know, we've got a lot of people here who have a lot of seniority and, and might be closer to retirement under this under this contract. And, you know, I think they were looking for more of those benefits now. And if we wait until 2028, you know, we can't guarantee what kind of economic cycle we'll be in. We don't know what the environment's going to be like to be able to negotiate for some of these things. And now might be the opportunity to go and, and fix some of those. You know, on the flip side, I was talking with a local president at a at a parts plant today who told me, again, you know, the, the wage increases for workers there are going to be life-changing, he said. And, you know, it's something that, you know, the reflection that, you know, everything can't be one in one contract, but this is something where workers could be brought to the same wage scale. And then in the next contract cycle, with that piece taken care of, maybe that might be a time to go after some of the retirement benefits that they're looking for. So it's, I think, differences in in just kind of how, how that's viewed and, and concerns about just what the economy might be like and, and what the next bargaining cycle might be like in 2028. And really wanting, I think, to capitalize on some of the momentum that the union had in this cycle to be able to, you know, to get all of the things back that they were hoping for. Speaking of looking ahead, uh, two automakers left to go. Uh, GM is the first. Are you hearing anything about what this might mean for voting uh, for those ratification processes that are already underway? Uh, Or is it kind of too soon to say, uh, you know, what this means for for those votes? You know, GM was the closest of the three, as far as we can tell. Um, earlier this morning, you know, the vote margins in favor at Ford and Stellantis were sort of a two to one split. So it was much more, um, much more support for ratification at those two. Well, we'll have uh, more news soon, I'm sure, on on those. Uh, Lindsey Van Holy, thanks so much again for joining us on Daily Drive, and thanks for the amazing work on uh, throughout this entire process of uh, of voting and uh, and the talks as well. Thanks, Jake. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters, and I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News journalists Jerry Hirsch and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on UAW ratification votes, tech and innovation, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about how service advisors can build relationships and trust with customers. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.